Thursday. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. It is Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Hard to believe. 2020 and it's Tours Day. Yeah, 2020. Eh, the year that we wish no it never was, right? Um, yeah, we're, we're trucking on through this year. We are three quarters of the way through and here we are. The um, major Major League baseball playoffs are going on right now and uh it has been interesting to to kind of watch peripherally i have as as admitted previously not a huge baseball fan but when you get into the playoffs i pay attention to what's going on right now uh they are we're we're battling to see who's going to be in the uh uh national league um uh Right now, I guess they're in the semis, and then the, the National League playoffs and the American League playoffs will be the next round. So in the National League, the Dodgers and the Padres are playing, and the Braves and the Marlins are playing. And uh, the Braves lead the series 2 nothing, and uh, the Dodgers lead their series 2 nothing. And I think it's best out of five at this round. So um, um, they've got uh, games continuing uh, today. And uh, the the Dodgers and the Braves can wrap it up if they if they uh, get there. Um, now, the Astros are playing the Athletics, and the Rays are playing the Yankees. Those series are a little closer. Um, the Athletics are winning two one. Um, you know, and again, they can win it if they win the next game. But if the Astro, I mean, sorry, the the yeah, the Astros are winning two one. But if the Athletics come back. Uh, at them they've got a chance to tie it up and likewise with the Yankees and the Rays the, the Yankees are losing right now it's 2-1 Rays but the Yankees can tie it up uh, or the Rays can win it so we'll see um, here's Aaron so we've talked baseball we'll move on because I clearly don't know what I'm talking about welcome so I just went over the uh, uh, National League and American League playoffs and scores and said, okay, we'll wrap that up and start talking to Aaron now because I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, you know, I'll mention the scores and then be done with it because I clearly um, am not a huge baseball fan and it's obvious when I start talking about it. You know, I like it's one of those things where I watch it during the, the playoffs, you know, but I'm a playoff, uh, fair weather playoff fan. Uh, that said, you know, I, I, am a, I am an unabashed Dodger fan, which in Southern California, you're either a Dodger guy or an Angel guy in Southern California. Right. Or not guy necessarily, because, you know, you wouldn't be a guy regardless of which one you're a fan for. But, uh, yeah, guy in the generic sense of person. Um, and like, like, dude, you can, you know, dude is not necessarily gender specific. Uh, like, dude. Where's my car? <laughs> which is a surprisingly cute movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of those kinds of movies have you um uh I, I think it's available you have to pay for it right now but um uh have you had any inclination or do you have any desire to see the new bill and ted movie i loved the first two both of them were just so smart uh, the way they they played with history and and 
and uh, and put the two surfer dudes sort of in it. But I've seen like the previews, and it makes me a little sad because they're really old. <laughs> yeah, well, I know the, the Bill and Ted have grown up, sort of. Um, <laughs> wow, wow. Yes, these guys are at least mid-50s. At least. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. We'll see. I I will definitely watch it at some point, but I don't know that I'm going to go spend money to buy it. Um, Especially when they first did that, that, like, not-in-theaters release where it was $20 to watch. It was like, eh, I'll wait for it to come out on the regular, like, video release when it's, you know, $9.99 or something. Um, and, and even at that, I may wait till it's like on HBO or something and just watch it there because I already pay for that service and I don't have to cough up big bucks. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'll probably, I mean, I'll watch it. Incredibly violent, incredibly violent. Uh huh. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's comic. It's comic book violence. I mean, it's it's it's, you know, it's it. Right, and it's similar. I was going to say it's similar to Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the, um, um, uh, what was the two movies that he put out? There was one movie, Kill Bill. Yeah, it was like the Kill Bill movie in that, in that it's not. Uh, I mean, it's it's violence and 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 blood, but even even more than Kill Bill, I think it's it's comic book violence in that there's not as much blood. Kill Bill, there's just lots of. I mean, there's so much blood in Kill Bill that it's like you almost giggle because it's like there's no way. But uh, I mean, you know, four times the amount of blood in a human comes out of every human, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like there ain't that much blood in that person. Come on. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you just take them for what they are. It's 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 clearly cartoony but i understand also saying that's not my flavor you know keanu weaves constantly surprises me in that he i he comes across i mean you kind of get the sense that he is bill right or was he ted he was bill um esquire um and uh you know but but he really isn't i mean he's obviously a an intelligent thinking person who's in any any does he picks his roles carefully and uh, and so, you know, we, we've not been inundated with Keanu Reeves movies over the years, but it seems like, uh, you know, he kind of goes through phases and he, he's just he does he does good work. He really does. He surprises me. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't see there was that much uh, comedy in it. It was more of a rom-drom is probably the right word. Yeah, romantic drama film is how it's how it's uh, um, explained in the first sentence in, in Wikipedia. Um, yeah, and I like romantic comedies, but I don't like, I don't like dramas in general, you know, unless they're maybe like historical dramas or something, for me personally. Um, but, uh, but that, you know... It, it, for the genre, it's a good film. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. 
I I watch nothing to do with Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she's made her money being a compelling, interesting person, I guess. That's one would hope she is. Right. Right. Yeah, beyond just banking her name, right? Mm hmm. Is that how they kind of got their start? I didn't know that. Interesting. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be hard to pretend to be that dumb at age 40. You know, I mean, she's almost 40. She's 39. So it's like, you know, by the time you get to, to your 40s, you kind of like figured out basic things like, you know, how to do the laundry and stuff like that. That's, that's It would be ridiculous to, to continue to, you know, kind of unless it's unless it's all made up. Yeah. Apparently she earns like uh, $10 million a year roughly um, from her business ventures. And as of 2017, she was getting $300,000 for appearances in clubs and events. And that was 2017. In 2020, they'll give her $20 million to show up because nobody else will. COVID. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a woman who basically rose to fame by leaking a sex tape of herself, right? Oh, she didn't. Are we sure she didn't? Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, you know, she seemed to... Take, I mean, I can imagine it was probably quite shocking if she had nothing, if she, if she didn't have anything to do with the leaking of it. But the flip side of that is she certainly took it and, and snowballed it into fame. Well, no, you're right. I mean, well, I mean, there's people who, you know, don't become media personalities after something like that happens. And there's people who take that and say, well, if I'm going to be in the news, then I'm going to control it. And, you know, more power to her for doing that. Yeah. Well, you heard my reaction as soon as you said the name. I was like, ah, I don't do anything with that. <laughs> mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked about, you know, the, how, how, how much the personality of a child is there from day one when they're born, you know, and how different it is. You know, child one is very different than child two for people who have more than one kid. Um, and you can see traits within families, you know, certain stubbornnesses and, and, and uh, the way they, you know, make their take on the world. And part of that is the people that raise them. And part of that is just their genes. Yeah. You know, and uh, because, you see, you know, you'll see that same, you know, a sibling of that same person who maybe was adopted doesn't react to the world the same way that the, you know, that the natural born child does because their genetics are different, even though they were raised essentially the same. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, I mean, I think you're right. It's that's that mindset and that that uh, ability to to a way of looking at the world is partially born in and partially being raised in that family. And, uh, and it's just as, as viable as, you know, those that are good at, you know, tennis or basketball or have a, a propensity towards, you know, any kind of athletics or politics or something, you know, they just, that's something that they grew up around and, 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 and probably because their, um, uh, familial history also had the genetics to to be good at that they had skill sets that that they then continued to explore and foster because they're good at it It, it's a skill a gift and a curse okay well you've convinced me that it's at least worth taking a look at I mean, I was, I've been watching uh, a, a series called Meat Eater, and I was told that it was a guy who goes out and, and like, hunts and fishes and stuff and then sits down with, um, like, chefs to then prepare meals from this, you know, freshly caught. And, and, and I thought it was really interesting, and the first episode that I watched was kind of like that. Subsequent episodes, it's basically just watching this guy hunt. Um, occasionally fish or, or, or get crabs or, you know, but may, mostly it's just him going out and hunting. And I, you know, while I find it's kind of interesting and how they go in and, they, you know, the things they learn about the different animals and they're very respectful of the animals that they hunt. And these are people who, who eat, I mean, they, they don't, they don't hunt for sport. These are the, you know, these people don't go to the grocery store and buy meat they, they get their meat by hunting. That's how they live. And so, you know, I, I respect that as somebody who's going to go hunt. I, I, the idea of somebody hunting for trophies and stuff is, it, I think, is, is, you know, a bad choice personally. But, um, but I can see people be, being offended because they basically do show the hunting and the butchering of these animals as they talk about, you know, each animal. But they, and, and so I can see this would be upsetting for some people to watch. Yeah. Well, and it, it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's that versus not eating, um, you know, I think that a lot of people will find ways to do that. It's not something that we have the mindset around today because we don't have to. Somebody else is doing all of that for us. But, um, you know, and, and I and I kind of respect the idea of if you're going to eat meat, then you should understand that that was a life. You know, that was an animal and 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 respect that. And 
And so, you know, you almost want to say at some and, and it obviously doesn't work for everybody. But you almost want to say, well, if you're going to be a meat eater, then you should at least once in your life go through this process of of, you know, killing an animal and breaking it down and and turning it into your food just so that you understand what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're eating. And, you know, that might mean that there'd be some people who quit eating meat. Um, and it also might mean some people will just be, you know, more respectful of their resources and, uh, and, you know, and use them more carefully. But, um, um, it's interesting to watch, but it's not what I thought it was going to be because the first episode he meets with a guy who's like, you know, showing you how to process and cook. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the first one was. I don't know. It was some type of deer or something. Um, but you know, they, 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 cut out the different pieces and they're going to you know he makes several oh and it was fishing too so there was a couple different kinds of fish that he did that were that looked so good um uh and so you know and it was they they explained the meal as they go through and how everything was done from like texas it was all from um, texas coast and texas hill country and so and and the guy yeah it was kind of cool and i knew you'd relate to that the guy who was doing the cooking said that he doesn't eat anything that wasn't raised in texas right around where he lives he says i eat that the things that that happen in in my area that I can grow in my area that I can that I can kill in my area he says that's that's you know I eat from my land and and uh, and that's just the way I live and it was interesting because you know he had potatoes and 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 some vegetables and stuff that he cooked in and he made a stuffing and um yeah it was it, it, that was cool and I went neat I'm going to watch some more of this and subsequent episodes were there was no, not so much the food prep. It was just the, the, the hunt and then the slaughter of the, whatever they hunted, you know, and, 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 and the hunters talking about why they live that way. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and the respect for the animals that they, that they were like in one case, um, the guy was just really upset. He, he took a shot. It wasn't a great shot. And he was pretty certain that he wounded an animal and he thought that that animal might have died, but it ran off and he wasn't able to find it. And he was really upset. And in fact, he uh, he took the tag that he you know because when when you're hunting, you're you're given a tag and you're allowed to take one animal per tag. And he and he had gotten one of only fifty that were given out in that area that year. And he says he took the tag and he tore it up. And he goes, um, you know, I consider. He says I feel awful that this happened. And as far as I'm concerned, I've used my tag. I didn't get the I didn't get the meat from this, but you know. He says, I took a life and I'm not going to go take another one just so I can have the meat to take home. I said, we'll have to figure out another way to get meat, um, you know, because I'm not going to go kill another animal just because I couldn't tag the one that I'm pretty sure ended up dying. But it wasn't a good shot on my part. And that's on me. And and you got to respect that. You know, he's, he 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 really, you know, because, I mean, the, the alternative is, is, you know, I, I don't have meat to bring home for my family. You know, now he may have some in his, you know, his freezer already, but uh um, yeah, you know, it's just interesting to see the mindset of these people and, and, and their choices. Mm-hmm. And he made that point. He said, you know, bears will eat on this and birds will eat on the, on the carcass. He says, so, I mean, it's not like it's just going to complete waste, but that doesn't, he says, that doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that an animal suffered because I didn't take a good shot. And, uh, he says, I just don't feel right deciding that I'm going to go kill another one um, when there's one out there that I'm pretty certain I killed um, and killed in, in a way that wasn't quick and pain and painless or quick 
quick anyway. You know, I mean, painless, that's, that's a matter of debate. But um, he says, you know, that's, that's on me. I just, I didn't get a good shot, and, and I shouldn't have done that. And he was shooting with, um, in, in one case, he, they're, they're bow hunting. In another case, he's using a muzzle loader, and I didn't realize there's different rules around that than going out with like your regular rifle. Like the muzzle loaders, you know, you can only get one shot off with a muzzle loader, and then you have to stop. And and I didn't realize people still do muzzle loaded hunting, but apparently it's a thing, and it's uh, similar to uh, bow hunting in that you're only accurate out to you know a few hundred uh, hundred yards, maybe 150 yards, um, you know, and uh, and so you have to get much closer. It's a much more difficult way to hunt and that's what he was doing was doing you know a muzzle loading hunt uh yeah which also begs the question if it's if it's more difficult and you're more likely to get a bad shot then maybe we shouldn't be letting people hunt that way (laughs) maybe they should just use a modern rifle um you know right and that you can take a second shot quickly before the animal you know runs off into the brush and then you lose the animal and then it slowly bleeds out instead of uh, making a you know a, a, a quick and more humane kill. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot to be debated there, and, and people on both sides of it. But anyway, I I found a deep respect for the um, uh, that they have for the uh, animals that they're hunting, and and a closeness to their food source that that the average person doesn't have when they you know pick up that roast at uh, at the local grocery store. Meat eater. It's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. The, like I said, especially the uh, the first one that popped up, and and there's like, I think it's season nine, but there I think there's only three seasons on Netflix. Like seven, eight, and nine are on Netflix. Um, so this been show's been going on for a while. I'd never heard of it, but uh, my daughter found it and told me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm not placing it. Ah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's he's like, I've had enough of this. I want to move on. Um, although he also has to know that if he becomes a private citizen, that he will lose a lot of the protections that he has in terms of legal actions that have been taken against him. So I don't think that he will cease being the target of of attacks by those who disagree with his politics and will dig into his personal life and, and his taxes and his, and his uh, connections with Russia. That's not all going to stop just because he's no longer president. Um, and he will no longer be able to say he has executive privilege at that point. So um, I'm not sure that's a wise thing to do, but he's. No, but if the um, the invest, what is it? The attorney, attorneys general of New York who has requested it does because they're doing an investigation, which they are. Um, and now the court has said that, that Trump cannot block him from having access to it. He will have access to it. And if it's presented as evidence in court, then it's now public documents and people will be able to see that. And that's what he's been trying to block. You know, and understandably, because, again, most people do personal taxes. They don't do taxes as the owner of multiple corporations and corporate taxes and, and personal taxes are very different things. And uh, and that's, you know, it's it's just some splaining that he doesn't need to have to deal with the details of right now or ever, really, frankly. It's it's but, you know, you and I, our taxes are not going to look anything like somebody who has millions of dollars and, and multiple corporations and and sits on, you know, different boards and stuff. It's interesting. I learned watching one of the HGTV series the other day, the um, Windy City Rehab in Chicago with Allison Victoria. And very publicly, she had a split with her business partner. Turns out that every single house that they do is a separate company. They incorporate as a separate company for each house. And they're both partners in each house. And so it's not like one company that does everything. And I didn't think about that, but then it makes sense. That's a way to protect yourself. If one house doesn't work out or goes under or something, then it's not, doesn't affect a larger company. It just affects that company. That company folds or whatever, you know? Right. And, and and you know, I mean, as has been evidenced over a long period of time, Trump does that. I mean, he's got multiple companies that, that do different things. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm the sense I'm getting to is that, that in order to separate or to minimize risk, you know, if one because it's a pretty risky business when you're putting a lot of money into a, you know, a physical structure, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to sell it for more than it costs you to build it. Um and quite frankly, at times you may want to take a loss on building A so that you can then use that as a depreciation on your personal taxes against, you know, other things that you're doing. So, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff that happens in the tax management world that, that the average schmo doesn't have access to because we're not building and working on multiple houses and structures. And, you know, I mean, we don't have an army of lawyers. So, Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, no. In fact, I think there's been, uh, to the other side of that, there's been uh, more than a few people who have said that of his kids, she's the one that's the brains of the family. You know, she's she's clearly, I mean, she's a very pretty woman, and so it's easy to condescend to her, right, and say, oh, well, she's just a pretty face. Um, uh, but like you said, she's, she's uh, at least educationally, she's accomplished, and, and uh, you know, her husband has also done lots of stuff in, in the real estate business, he and his brother, um, have are big real estate developers as well. So, I mean, something she's grown up with and probably has an inclination towards, right? I mean, so, so you know, is what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, don't underestimate her. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, the, the social norms that we deal with sometimes and the, and the uphill battle that, that, you know, I mean, I, you know, women, I mean, we've talked about it and, 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 and it's been talked about in our society for a long time that women, you know, have different challenges than men in the same situations. And, uh, uh, you know, her, you know, if, if you compound that with her being attractive and her being younger than her husband, you know, people are just making assumptions about her being a trophy wife, right? And not not actually thinking that, hey, wait a minute, this person in front of me has a functioning brain and and is accomplished in her own right. And and sometimes you can't look past the the nose on your face. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and that said, though, you know, we've all probably in our lives i would venture to say uh, if we're being honest with ourselves have prejudged somebody along the way um you just hope that you're hope that you're um you know self-aware enough to catch yourself at it and say hey wait a minute you know let's give this person a chance i don't even really know them at this point um and and see what they've got to say and afterwards you can say okay now that i know them they're a jerk yeah yeah, that's the uh, what was it? The um, uh, my wife was working in a job one time and and uh, and she was explaining to some woman, you know, it was a service type of job. And she was explaining to some woman, you know, here's how this works and here's why I can't do what you want me to do. But here's what you can do. And the woman got all mad at her and said, you're just saying that because you're, you're racist. You know, you're prejudiced against me because I'm I'm a woman of color. And, uh, and she came home and she was really upset about it because she goes, I was just trying to explain to her the rules. You know, it's like, I don't make the rules. I'm just, you know, I just work here. And uh, this is, you know, while she was going to college. So it wasn't like even a career type position. She wasn't in a position of any authority whatsoever. She was just trying to explain to the woman, here's what you got to do to get this done. And the woman just blew up at her face. And I looked at her and said, well, what you should have explained to her was that you weren't prejudiced because you didn't prejudge her. You didn't dislike her till after she, you met her. <laughs> I've had that one in my pocket for a while waiting to use it someday if somebody does that to me but <laughs> it's like no I didn't, I didn't I'm not prejudiced I didn't prejudge you at all 
I didn't dislike you till I got to know you. That's a great description. That really is. That's so spot on. <laughs> the fly. And it's so funny. The, the fact that you can say the fly, and I knew exactly what you were talking about, it explains it completely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know me in social media. I'm such a such a social media maven that it's hard for me to stay away. But uh, I I have a Twitter account and I get on Twitter maybe once every two or three weeks, once a month, once every four or five weeks. I don't know. It's not nothing that I do on a regular basis, but it also depends on how you set up your Twitter. Like I only follow people that have things of interest to say to me. And mostly they're people who are talking about things that are happening in the tech industry one way or another. And so I'll get, I'll get on and read some of their stuff. I used to follow like um, some people who did um, uh, youth sports in Orange County just because I, you know, to see what's going on. But I found they were talking about too many sports that I just didn't care about. You know, it's like, I, I don't care. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't care about, you know, the, the best lacrosse player in the county or the best, you know, for that matter, the best football player in the county. I mean, it's like I don't coach those things and I'll, you know, I'll go and cheer for the high school that I, you know, have worked at and enjoy it. I enjoy going out to the game, but it's not like I'm going to follow this stuff passionately. I don't care. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm like a typical coach. I'm focused on my thing, my team, my sports, my, you know, and I'll support the others and cheer for them. Like I said, from my school, happy to do it. I know the coaches at our school, so I'm happy to support them and, 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 and see them be successful. But beyond that, I don't care about like that news. So I quit following those people. So, so my Twitter feed is, is actually not very argumentative or nasty at all <laughs> because it's, there's like, you know, seven people that I follow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering when I saw that and I was wondering why why do they think Goldblum would look like Pence? And I was like, Oh wait a minute, the fly, I get it. He's not playing Pence, he's gonna play the fly. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a remake of a 50s movie. <laughs> or late, early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do a little zoom in, and then you see a little fly there with Jeff Goldblum's head going, Kill me! Kill me! Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, how do you social distance and, and you just sit back and aim your raid can? Shh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't give away all the st- all, all the all the good stuff, you know. I mean, Saturday Night Live pays for good ideas like that. 1958 was the original fly. Yeah. Who looked hungry. I um I show uh, the the article I'm showing says that the video shows a 1.5 meter white shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, white sharks are gray on top and white on the bottom, but um, either way, big shark, big teeth, no fun. <laughs> Makes for bad day on surfing. Yeah, and the picture I show is you know exactly this you know he's on a surfboard and this thing's bigger than him. Uh, certainly big enough to take a big bite if they, if so, if it's so desired. Uh, yeah, that's creepy to think that you're being stalked and that he kind of like felt something weird, you know, and just said, yeah, I'm going back in. Something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, probably a good chance that it does nothing. You know, it, it decides, oh, wait a minute, that's not something I'm, I want to eat and goes away because they don't naturally attack people. But, you know, if they're hungry and there's something splashing around, it could have very easily decided I'm going to take a bite and see what it is, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. You know, then all you have to worry about is land shark. <laughs> Pizza boy. Pizza boy. They really were. Yeah, that was of all the skits that I mean that, you know, was one of the real It's funny because it, you know, the things you remember about the early days of Saturday Night Live is, you know, there were some that were just like just genius sh- uh uh skits and some that were just ridiculously stupid. They were like we got to fill another 10 minutes. What do you want to do? I know. Let's go dig through the prop department. Here we go. We got this giant shark head. Here's what we're going to do. You know, or, or, um, you know, hey, you've got a slot for a video. We're going to do a video segment so that we can set up the set. So I need you to do a video that's going to last maybe five minutes or, you know, and the guy goes, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got some Play-Doh. Mr. Bill. Oh, no. We'll... Something along those lines, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was timely. <laughs> I am a wow and crazy guy. 
Yeah. Yeah, Steve Martin was, uh, I mean, remember, he was, he was literally on top of the world, the biggest comedian in the world. And his routine, if you've never YouTubed it, go YouTube. It was, was largely, you know, him putting like a fake arrow on his head, like an arrow through the head type of thing. And uh, cat juggling, where he would like, um, you know, show him holding these beautiful, cute little kittens. And then they would do a really bad cut. So it was clearly badly done of him now juggling kittens. And they were clearly like stuffed animals that he was, you know, beanbags that he was juggling. Um, so, so they, you know, the production quality was intentionally really poorly done to make it look like it was some hack job on, on, you know, public broadcasting at 2 a.m. Um, I mean, you know, he, his, his song King Tut, um, cause the, yeah, you know, cause King Tut was, was, uh, was traveling around the, the actual, uh, displays from the T- King Tut, um, um, uh, tomb were, the tomb were, were basically on tour throughout the United States. And that was big news. People were lined up by the thousands to go see, walk by and see these, you know, gold covered sarcophagus. Yeah, you did. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my parents went, I didn't, but, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it was cultural phenomenon was literally where he was at in terms of, of his stature in comedy at that point in time. And, you know, I think people later at a, of a different age thought of him as the guy who played father of the bride and, you know, and, and parenthood and, and an actor. And then, uh, and then people who hear of him later go, isn't he the guy that plays the banjo? You know, yeah, yeah. He was a comedian, really. He played the banjo. Uh, you know, it, it's so funny, right? Yeah. If somebody goes back and watches the jerk, that was very much in line with his his comedy stylings early on. Um, yeah, Bowfinger's hilarious. Those are later, a little bit later in his career when he when he, uh, yeah, he kind of changed his style and morphed into more of a comedic actor. Um, he has a really, really good book called Born Standing Up. And it talks, he talks about his career and how he developed his act and how he figured out what was and wasn't working and just working in comedy clubs. And, you know, he would, he would agonize over adding this little thing or taking out that little thing. His, his act was so tightly choreographed, um, you know, and it seemed like it was just this guy bumbling around out there, but he was on top of every little detail of it. Um, and he actually worked in like the um, the the pantomime theater in at Knott's Berry Farm, and the uh, and uh, you know I mean, he talks about that. And if you get it as an audiobook, he reads it, which is great. We talked our way right to the end. Happens every day. Hey, tomorrow we're going to have a surprise guest because Erin has uh, some other work she has to do. So uh, if you uh, are listening to the radio show, she'll be on the radio show. But when we switch over to the podcast, uh, be sure to check it out because it will be somebody new. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. Thank you.